glad you're here. Welcome to Stonebridge. You know, I love that uh, version uh, app. I hope you have it if you have a smartphone. Uh, there, we put in all kinds of links and things, sometimes uh, more than others. Today, I've put in a link because I am, I'm just telling you ahead of time, I'm going to tell you some stuff that you're going to like, I don't think that's true. And uh, so you're going to need, you're going to want to look it up. You're going to Google me and, and see, are, is, this, is he right about that? So anyway, just warning you. Um, so uh, NASA and JPL, all excited about the uh, launch of the Hubble telescope way back uh, 1989-ish. And uh, it got there, and then you know, many of you remember what happened. They started sending back fuzzy, uh, out-of-focus pictures, which was not only an embarrassment, it was a, a mission-critical error. And when they realized that they had that problem, they called a friend of mine, Dave Gallagher, to lead the team that repaired the Hubble telescope. Wow, amazing. Uh, Dave was at JPL. He is a rocket scientist. I know one. Uh, that's awesome. And, uh, it, and that one, it did take a rocket scientist to fix that. Uh, 1993, they uh, sent up astronauts. Dave was at uh, Cape Canaveral and uh, led the process, led the team there. And uh, so here's a picture of the astronauts uh, repairing the Hubble telescope there um, with the space shuttle. And it was amazing uh, the, what happened. I mean, they basically put a pair of glasses on the, uh, the mirror there, but the transformation was amazing. Here's a picture of a before and after shot of Galaxy M100. What a difference, right? I mean, it went from failure to one of the most amazing things in human creation. Uh, technology. Uh, so my point in bringing all of this up, though, is that after the astronauts landed, Dave Gallagher was at a point where he had to say, now what? I mean, he was really very new in his career uh, there at JPL, and he's already repaired the Hubble. I mean, where do you go from there? Uh, and the thing about uh, JPL is they are project-based, and so when a project finishes, literally, you have to apply for another job. You have, you have worked yourself out of a job, and all the PhDs and the scientists all start looking for more projects. And uh, don't worry about Dave. He's done fine. Now it's 26 years later. He's number three at JPL, so he's doing great. But he did face that moment where he had this new beginning, a fresh start. And we're talking about fresh starts last week, this week, and next week. And uh, most of us never face a fresh start like that one, but we all have them, uh, whether they are uh, a new job or we move to a new town. Uh, something happens to us exciting and wonderful that, that sends us into a, a new beginning, a fresh start. Uh, maybe we, uh, our tour of duty is up with the military or we go to college or we graduate from college. Uh, and, and then there's other kinds of new beginnings as well. And we are familiar with those, medical conditions that change our lives and those we love, the loss of a job, a divorce, the death of a spouse. Uh, we, <clears throat> you would think we would get used to this, this whole thing about fresh starts because they happen all the time. 
over and over again. If you're not, if you're not facing one right now, you have recently or you will. So it's good to think about what, what do we do? Where, where does God get involved in our, in our new beginnings, our fresh starts? And the Bible is actually good at this. It traces the lives of lots of different kinds of people, good people and bad, successes and failures, uh, all kinds of people and, and how they respond to change in their life and uh, believers and non-believers. And it's good for us. Uh, because we get to see how other people respond, how God responds in their lives, and how we can apply that to our own lives. And it might be a surprise to some people who uh, aren't familiar with the Bible that there's a book called the Book of Lamentations. Why would you put something like that? In, I mean, if, if, you had, if we had a book for sale in the world right now called the Book of Weeping and Sadness, not a bestseller, you know, who would buy that? But here it is in the Bible, the book of Lamentations. And we're grateful that it is because <clears throat> if the Bible wasn't honest about things like this, how can we trust it for the other things? But it does. It talks about the challenges that humans face. And um, so we're going to take a look at the book of Lamentations, uh, just uh, chapter 3. It gives us direction for our lives when we're facing these fresh starts. And the first thing we can do to start fresh is to trust what's true. Trust what's true. Uh, let me just read a couple verses, verses 22 to 24. It says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Let me just pray for us. Lord, we ask that you would use your word to speak to our hearts. All of us know the excitement and the challenges of starting something new. And we pray that you would speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's hard to know what's true and what's not true today. I mean, we, it's in the meat, right? It's a thing in America that people are trying to tell us that's not true. That's, that's, you know what I'm talking about. There are things that we have known to be true in our lives, all our lives, that I'm going to tell you are not true. Um, I have five. So, uh, for instance, here's something we've always believed. You only use 10% of our brains. <clears throat> how, how many have heard that? Yeah, not true. Our brains are cranking 100%. I mean, just to keep us upright and talking, it takes a lot. So it says uh, our brains are going at 100% capacity most of the time. Scientific Americans said that, not me. So, um, so there you go. Uh, that's something that we often think. How about this one? Swimming after eating will give you cramps, right? Not true. Uh, I, I don't know why you would think your parents would be like, yeah, get in the pool, go for a swim, get, get out of here. No, they said, no, no, stick around with us more. Uh, it's not true. We have enough blood to keep all of our body parts functioning after a big meal. So, and that's the Mayo Clinic. Uh, uh, here's one, cracking knuckles causes arthritis. Uh, you got there, okay, see, some of us, we were taught, we, our, our parents taught us that. 
not because it does, but because of what really happens. It says it may aggravate the people around you, but it probably won't raise your risk for arthritis. Harvard Medical School. Um, <clears throat> now, here's one that a, a lot of people believe. The Great Wall of China is visible from space. We've heard that quote. The only man-made thing visible, it's not. It's not. Now, um, it, uh, it says cameras on the International Space Station can zoom in, but an astronaut cannot just see it from space. And I didn't say that. NASA said that. So, okay, so, not, so those, some of you might be like, I can't believe my mom taught me that. Okay, but none of them are going to get you like this one. All right? We have been taught sugar makes kids hyper. And you're like, oh, don't even try to tell me that that's not true. It's not true. Okay, here we go. Sugar in the diet does not affect children's behavior. The Journal of the American Medical Association. I, I told you, look it up. There's links. It says it somewhere on the Internet. So that makes it true. So <clears throat> what can we trust? What can we trust to be true if these things aren't true? Ah. Uh, well, I love the text. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. That's true. And we can trust that. Trust what's true. Trust what's true. Um, we believe them. So let's trust them. Trust. Trust is a little bit more than just believing, just knowing. Trust, in this case, means to have confidence in God's faithful love. We can be certain that God's faithfulness is great, and he offers us grace every morning. We can wake up and we say, Lord, where's the grace today? I am trusting that that's true for me. Show me today your, your, your grace. Now, I want to be clear. Doubt is not a sin. Doubt is not a sin. Discouragement is not a disqualifier for the Christian life. We have much, there's a lot of doubt that we don't trust when things are true. My mom uh, had for many, many years cyclical clinical depression. She would, and, and I know all, many of us get discouraged or we feel depressed, but we also know that there are some who have clinical depression, and she did. That's okay. We, we, you, Siri is at, Siri doesn't even believe me. Um, so my mom would have clinical depression, and when she did, she would say to me, I can't believe. Not just I don't believe, I can't believe anything. This is from a woman who spent her life as a faithful Christian, who prayed every day for her whole family, who loved God, who loved Jesus, and yet, and yet there, in certain seasons of her life, she said, I, I can't believe, um, I don't believe uh, she feared what it meant for her soul when she couldn't even read the Bible, much less anything else. And she was afraid because she said, well, I, I can't believe. And in those times, I would look her in the eye and I would take her by the hands and I said, Mom, it's okay. I believe for you. Your children and your grandchildren and your faith community believe for you. You may not believe in Jesus today, but Jesus believes 
in you. There are times when we can't trust what's true. But, in, but let me tell you a time when we shouldn't be doubting it, when we're starting something new. When, we're, 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 when our lives are in upheaval and we're, we're this fresh start, we're trying to get going, that's not the time to start saying, I wonder about, you know, is, it, is this accurate or is that accurate? Does, does the Bible really mean this or say that? You know what, there are great times to study that, to think about those kinds of things. But not when you're, not when you're starting out, not when you have a fresh start, not when all these other things are on your mind. Um, Doubt is not a sin. Discouragement is not a disqualifier. But as we begin these fresh starts, a good thing to do, trust what's true. You've believed it all your life. Hold on to it. And so this week, I have a next step for you. This week, make a short list of things you know are true. You know are true that you can trust. I, I want to I encourage you, don't just write down all the things you know are doctrines that we believe. No, no, the things that you know are true. There might only be a handful, that's okay. But just write them down and hold on to them. Now, one thing about my mom in her, when she was in depression, that uh, the Bible actually says we ought to do, that we ought to focus on, it comes out of Lamentations. It's our second point as we begin new, fresh starts. Second thing is admit, admit what's awful. Admit what's awful. Listen uh, to what comes after that part about God's faithfulness. I mean, we hear that we, we listen to all the good language about faithfulness and grace and mercies every morning. But listen to what the writer of Lamentations goes on to say. Let them sit alone in silence. Beneath the Lord's demand. Let them lie down, lie face down in the dust, for there may be hope at last. Let them turn the other cheek to those who strike them and accept the insults of their enemies. For no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love, for he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them to sorrow. I wish none of us ever felt so down that we would lie face down on the floor. But we have. But we do. And if Scripture didn't admit it, then how could we trust it for the good stuff if it didn't admit the bad, the awful but the scripture is clear about it. And as hard as it is sometimes to believe in the mercies and faithfulness of God, how much harder would it be if, if, if it didn't admit it? I mean, we have, there are churches that say, don't ever talk about the negative. Don't, you know, keep a happy face. Well, the people in the Bible didn't. They, they talked about it. And scripture acknowledges that people feel abandoned by God. When it says... Uh, for no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. It, so clearly people do feel that. And Scripture recognizes that there is grief. Uh, people hurt and experience sorrow. Scripture also proclaims that God shows compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love. He admits it. We ought to as well. Maybe it'd be good to admit it to someone else, that this is really awful. 
Scripture admits what's awful, and so can we. It's there, and it's awful, whether we admit it or not. And admitting it is our first step towards letting go of it. Uh, Peter, one of Jesus' followers, lived with him, saw him, saw him at his heights and at his darkest moments, writes this in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on Jesus because he cares for you. Peter knew we can, we can put it on Jesus. We can tell him what's hard in our life. So here's the next step. What is one thing that challenges you right now? What's one thing that's hard for you right now? Maybe that's awful. Name it and ask God to show you where his compassion and unfailing love are in that challenge. God, you said that you have unfailing love for me. Where is it? This is my situation. Where's your unfailing love? Where's your compassion in this situation of my life? It's good to trust what's true and to admit what's awful. And gratefully, the God of Scripture and the book of Lamentations, they don't just leave us there. They give us one more thing. There are new beginnings, there are fresh starts, and we start fresh as we depend on what's forever. There are some things that are forever, that never change. There's an important difference between knowing that and depending on it. Depend on what's forever. There's some things, you know, we will quote it, but we don't necessarily count on it. Listen to uh, verses 25 through 27. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him, so it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. And it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. Now, in that little bit of text, there are three words we almost never use. We don't like uh, in... American culture today, three words, depend, wait, and submit. Ugh, they don't even sound good. I mean, uh, those three go against our culture and against our personal experience. No one has to depend on anyone. And we know that in California, particularly. We don't want to have to depend on buses showing up on time. Or, or carpooling to work with others, so we all drive ourselves. We, and so here's an interesting fact. In Los Angeles, on an average day, 780,000 people carpool, which is good. That's a lot. 780,000 out of 7,780,000 drivers in Los Angeles. So 7 million of us, no, we, we can't depend on it. We're, just, we're taking ourselves. That carpool lane is for somebody else. So we don't like depending on any money and waiting, waiting, forget about it. We don't want to wait. So I was talking to someone recently, um, and they said, I, they said, have you read this book? It was a bestseller. I don't remember what it was. But they were like, I'm, I, I haven't read it either. I, I'm waiting for it. I've got it, I've got on reserve at the library and there are three people ahead of me and when the book gets back to the library, weeks from now, I will be able to read it. And I'm like, 
library. Do we still have libraries? Do you not know you? there's a Kindle? You can just download it. It's like, I mean, really? You're going to wait for a book? Who wants to wait? We don't like to wait. Here's something we don't wait for anymore. Who thinks they know? I say thinks, but who, who knows how long experts tell us that we have when someone gets to our website, our web homepage, how long do that we have for them to look at it and decide that it has something for them before they click on to another? To another. Anybody have a two seconds? Three seconds. That is so five minutes ago, folks. <laughs> that is so 2017. Two minutes, two seconds, and three seconds. It's, it is uh, a fifth of a second. 50 milliseconds is the, is the new rate that someone will look at your site and click off to something else. So um, here, I began the sermon uh, with this sentence. I, I said, um, a friend of mine led the team that repaired the Hubble Space Telescope. A friend of mine led the team that repaired the Space Hubble Telescope. Do you know how long 50 milliseconds is? It's this. A f that's it. A f that's a 50 milliseconds. And that, that's how much time. We don't want to wait. We don't want to wait for anything. And as much as we don't like to depend on others and we don't like to wait, oh, we seriously don't want to submit. Who wants to submit to anybody? Who wants to read any of the scriptures that talk about submission? Um, but I'll tell you something about depend, wait, and submit. These are obedience words. We learn to obey God. See, what, what we often end up feeling in our feel-good culture is that we are partners with God. God and me, together, bros, you know, Jesus is my bro. Um, we're not partners with God. As good as that may sound, it's incorrect. God doesn't offer to be our partner. Uh, he never has, and he never will. We are children of God and followers of Jesus. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, but we're not partners. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ to do good works. We are a new creation the old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We are joint heirs and more than conquerors, but we're not partners. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, purchased people, but not partners. We are redeemed and rescued from the domain of darkness. We are even called the light of the world, but not partners. Jesus said, if you love me, Keep my commandments. Not, I recommend you keep my commandments. Uh, not the ten suggestions, right? It, I, 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 if you love me, keep my commandments. The Christian life is a life of obedience, not partnership. A life of dependence, waiting, and submission. Ouch! Sometimes our new beginnings, sometimes our dead ends are God saying to us, I want to teach you more about 
dependence on me and waiting on me and submission to me. Listen again, and now with, with that idea of not being partners, listen to this text again. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord, and it is good for people to submit at an early age for the yoke of his discipline, to the yoke of his discipline. Not partner language, obedience language. So we go back and we say, trust the truth and admit what's awful and then begin to depend on what's forever. God's intention is to grow us, to transform us, to change us from who we are to who he would have us be so that we are actually different in heart and mind and thoughts and attitudes and opinions and actions five years from now than who we are today. Um, and so next week, we're going to take an, the entire sermon on just those three, depend, wait, and submit. I'll let you know when we're getting to the submit part, so if you want to scoot out after the first two, maybe we'll do that after the offering. Um, but for now, just to, just to kind of warm up to it, here's the a, here's a next step. Visualize that challenging situation you were thinking about in our last next step. Visualize your challenging situation and ask Jesus to show you where he is in it. I've done this. I've said, Lord, where are you in this? And I, and I picture the challenge at church or the challenge at, at my family or the challenge at a job, even the challenge in the world. Jesus, where are you in this? And then he reveals himself and he shows where he is. But in order for him to do that, in order for us to see that, we are going to have to wait and watch and see where he puts himself. And then we're going to have to uh, depend on him for that. Like, really, that's where you are? That's what you're doing in that situation? I didn't, I didn't imagine that. We have to depend on that, and then we're going to have to submit to it because it's probably not necessarily what we wish he was doing. That's about becoming that transformed follower. In order to depend on him and not ourselves, we have to submit to his authority, possibly even his discipline and his training. And that's a tall order, uh, but it's where fresh starts begins. And it reminds me of a, of a story. If you ever hear somebody say, once upon a time, then you know it's a story, right? Uh, but it's a story of a king. Once upon a time, there was a king who was getting old, and he realized he had no heir. And so there was no one to take over the kingdom when he left, when he died. And so he sent a decree out to all the young adults, all the men and women, to say, if you would like to be king or queen, come, and we will choose someone who is qualified to become my protege. You don't just to be, get to become king or queen, but I will train you, I will teach you, I will prepare you to take over this nation so that when I leave, you are able to take over. And so hundreds of people showed up, hundreds of young adults, and they began to test them. And after the first test, they dismissed half. And uh, over the next few weeks, uh, they, they continued to test and they continued to get rid of them. And the person administering the deck was the, the, the test was the Grand Duke, and so they all came to trust the Duke. And finally, it came down to three. And... Uh, the, the king said, the final test, you are all qualified to begin to be a protege, 
But there's one last test, a, a race. And the one who wins the race becomes my protege. And they were all getting ready. And as they were getting ready, that Grand Duke, who they all trusted, came to each one of them separately and individually and said to each one of them, you have found favor in the eyes of the king. What you are to do is to not run until you see the king's nod. Just stay where you are until he gives you the nod. Okay, so they all heard that. And as they got down and they said, ready, set, go, the first person took off running as fast as they could. Then the second person was like, looking, looking, and looking, and in their mind they, they calculated how far that first person could get ahead of them before they could never win the race, before they could never possibly catch up. And then just at that spot where they thought that that was where they, he, they took off running. And the third person stayed and watched and got that same calculation going inside them and they saw the two of them past the point of no return. There was no chance he could win. That, but, but she kept looking and never, never the nod. And they stayed right where they were. And the other two came back uh, someone had won, but the king came to meet the three of them, and they said, he, he said to the first one, why did you run? And that person said, I, I, my adrenaline was pumping. I just forgot. I just took off. And uh, the, said to the second one, why did you wait and then run? And they said, I, I wanted to trust you, but I, I saw that if I didn't leave right then, there was no way I could win. And so that's why I ran. And said to the third one, why didn't you run? And they said, because I had been told that you wanted me to wait for your nod. And so I waited and you never gave it. And the king said to that person, you will be my protege. I knew that you were capable and I knew you could run. What I didn't know is, could you wait? Could you depend on me? Could you submit to my authority? Because any king or queen, any person in charge needs to know they're not fully. We have fresh starts. We have new beginnings. And how do we do that? We've, we've talked about it. But let's pray for one another and pray for each other that God would lead us to become the people he would have us be through our fresh starts. Let's pray. Well, Lord, we're...